Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Samuels vs. Schlanger. I'm Leighton Samuels, I'm Leighton Schlanger, and we are here on a Friday to help preview a bunch of football if it gets played this weekend. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the Raiders keep testing positive for COVID. That game might get postponed, but even if they go down, we still have a lot of football to play, a lot of football to talk about. Um... And we will deal with the postponement. I actually did see something interesting. Today, Yahoo actually released a, uh, a statement of sorts that they have created a setting uh, for their settings that any commissioner can go and change right now that will, add, that will allow you to add players and games that are postponed to the IR slot. Which I think is really cool. I think that is uh, a cool thing for Yahoo to do, trying to make fantasy as fun and fair for everyone. We obviously, I mean, we have no control over injuries, and we also have no control over which of these teams get COVID. So, you know, the fact that you might be able to use that IR slot for Josh Jacobs, you might be able to use it for uh, for Henry Ruggs, if, you, if you've been throwing a dart on him. Uh, Derek Carr has actually been pretty good, so you might be starting him. Darren Waller, bro. Darren Waller is the guy that you're looking for that you're forgetting to guess. Yes, I did. okay. Um, yeah, I knew there was someone else fantasy relevant on the Raiders. Darren Waller, if you happen to have him. But again, it's not just the Raiders. Uh, this is actually a huge fantasy game because it is also against the Chiefs. It's the, if this gets po- postponed, that means no Patrick Mahomes. That means you have two potential valuable running backs in Le'Veon Bell and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, off the boards. You have Tyreek Hill gone. You have some of the best fantasy dart throws in Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman. So, so this is good. This is good. That means, and actually in Yahoo, you can add additional IR slots um, even in even within the season, I don't think you can do that in ESPN. But uh, but this provides an opportunity to allow people to add people from waivers without needing to drop any players that they weren't expecting to drop this week. And I think anything that adds to the positive experience of fantasy football in the time of COVID is a good thing. And this might come into play in the future. COVID COVID. Uh, COVID cases are up in this in this country, and COVID cases are up around the NFL. So, but you know, I will give the NFL props for doubling down on uh, some really strict protocols for this week to try to clamp down on this. But we are not here to talk about COVID. We are here to talk about football. Yeah, bro, you know it. And we actually had a really fun game um, on Thursday night. It was sloppy. Um, a whole lot of penalties. Um, we had a holding call in the end zone that ended up in a safety. You don't see that very often. So it was a sloppy game uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Interesting. But we will hit all of that. We will also, for the first time ever, that's right, Samuels versus Schlanger, for the first time ever on this, we will do some official game previews. That is right. Uh, we normally don't uh, do this on Fridays because we never have time. We don't have time for game previews. Uh, we usually choose a random topic to talk about. But we were feeling frisky. And when we feel frisky, we do things like game previews. And of course, we will hit our flex plays. So, do you want to go? I do, I do. I want to talk some football. So, we are going to hit that drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. Samuels versus Schlager. Oh, this is going to be brutal. 
All right, I gotta be honest, I am like low key, not low key, you are high key right now. Fine, I am high key excited to recap this game. Do you know why? Of course I know why, bro. We share a freaking brain, bro. Of course I know why you're so excited. Because your stupid quarterback, who you think is going to be the offensive fantasy player of the year in Kyler Murray, outscored my Russell Wilson, who I've been who I've been banging the drum on for the entire season, by by 0.18 points. That is correct. That is correct. Kyler Murray outscored Russell Wilson tonight by 0.18 points. Both players get you more than 20 fantasy points. Russell Wilson gets 20.08. Kyler Murray gets 20.26, which means Kyler, in a war of our two quarterbacks on this podcast, wins the day, and he is going to win the season. He is still the only player in the NFL who has scored more than 20 fantasy points in every single game this season. He continues to be, I think, the most valuable pick um, in this whole draft because the offensive, the, the, the MVP, the fantasy MVP, and at least likely in Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook, both of them were, were drafted in the first round. And <laughs> Kyler Murray is someone that you got after Lamar Jackson, after Patrick Mahomes, after Dak Prescott even sometimes, um, which which Dak was probably going to be the guy if it weren't for this. Yeah, but even Dak had a, had a sub-20 fantasy point game early on in the season. Kyler Murray, 7th or 8th round pick, just killing the game every single week. Um, but we are not going to talk about these quarterbacks forever. I want to move on to the running backs. The running backs, and I'm going to start with Seattle because Carlos Hyde, with the lead uh, lead role, gets you 14 carries, seven, 79 yards and a touchdown, plus he's involved in the passing game, ends up getting you 17.5 fantasy points. And this, if nothing else, is proof of Chris Carson's value whenever he comes back to this offense. Because Bo Scarborough still got six carries. Uh, DJ Dallas was still involved in the passing game a little bit. So, like, it doesn't matter what happens the lead running back in Seattle will have value because they will be used in the passing game. They will they will be used a lot on offense. This is this is a this is a team that drives the ball. And this was it's this was a strange strange game where where both teams uh, they they had a lot of weird penalties. The Arizona Cardinals had had ten total penalties for a total of 115 yards, including a holding call in the end zone that got them a safety. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, eight penalties for 79 yards. Like this was, but it was like a defensive battle in the first half because it, it was 16 to seven Seattle going into the half. Like where, like this game was like nothing what we expected. And yet the fantasy output remained very consistent for these two teams, which can only give you confidence going forward if you have... Uh, investment in these players. Uh, you were talking about the backfield for Seattle and and your excitement for for Chris Carson to become healthy, which uh, Pete Carroll already said Chris Carson will be back next week, so that is a positive thing for all you Chris Carson owners. Uh, on the Arizona Cardinal side of things, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds again splitting it up. Uh, and neither of them have bad days. Drake gets you 16 points. Edmonds gets you 14.9. Both involved in the running game. Kenyon Drake, uh, well, no, that's a lie. Kenyon Drake had 11 carries. Chase Edmonds only had two. Uh, but Chase Edmonds is involved in the passing game, and he's so electric when he has the ball. He's the one that gets the touchdown through the air. Um, Kenyon Drake gets one on the ground. 
But from a total yardage standpoint, they honestly weren't that far off. Like, they're both going to have value some weeks. Uh, I, I think it'll actually be rare that neither of them have value. But I also don't think either of them are going to boom uh, in any given week. Except, you know, when you're lucky and Kenyon Drake gets some garbage time or if they happen. But, like, even, even when they're playing from way behind, Chase Edmonds has never proven that he is the guy. I was wrong on that call earlier in the season. That's right, baby. You were wrong and you were also wrong well, you're wrong about a lot of things. You're actually not wrong about Tyler Metcalf. Tyler Metcalf? Tyler Metcalf? Okay, let me just pause right here because if if the Seattle Seahawks had a fantasy football player that was Tyler Metcalf, they would be like the the most amazing freaking football player ever. We're not we're not talking about about your fantasies where Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf become one football player and you can you can slot them in for one and they are easily the I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Just talk about Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf as the two separate players that they are. Fine, bro, fine. But I'm just saying if they were one player, they would have gotten you 30 for 35.3 fantasy points. I'm just kidding. Uh, Tyler Lockett got you 21.7, just like in the first game against the Cardinals. Uh, Russ didn't want to throw towards Patrick Peterson, and so he didn't. Lockett leads the team in targets with nine. DK Metcalf only gets five, but Metcalf makes the most of them. 13.6 fantasy points is not bad for Metcalf, but it's what I was saying, and it's what I was saying last Friday when we were talking about trades. Metcalf is going to be a lower volume guy the rest of the season. And yes, he will make the most of his days sometimes. But he he might be the single most athletic player in the NFL. The dude's an absolute physical beast. But he had two bad, bad drops tonight. Like sometimes his hands just aren't what they should be, which is crazy because he, he makes some amazing catches. But there was, there was a drop in the end zone that would have been an, another touchdown for him that literally hit him in the face mask. And then he dropped a, a first down on a slant route that literally hit him in the hands. Like sometimes he's he's got trouble with this. And Russ knows this, I think, in the back of his mind. And Russ will be trusting Lockett the most, I think, the rest of the way down the line. And plus, like you said, Chris Carson is coming back. I have... In a strange way, equal faith in Lockett and Metcalf because I think Lockett, or sorry, Metcalf will still score more touchdowns, but Lockett will get more volume. It is, it's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches if you have either of these guys, honestly. So like we're we're nitpicking here, but um, just saying, Metcalf. Uh, if you're in ESPN, the trade deadline hasn't come up yet. Uh, Metcalf could be a great trade chip if you're looking to upgrade. Um, I'm <laughs> I know I kind of took over your uh, your Seattle pass catches. Yeah, you sure did, bro. Um, do you want me to take over the Arizona? Because I will. No, I would love to talk about the fact that Larry Fitzgerald led the Arizona pass catchers in fantasy points tonight. Like this is the first time this season that this has happened. Um, I don't I don't know if it happened last season. I'd have to go and look and. Um, we don't have a stats guy. Again, we need a stats guy, don't we? Whoa, as soon as we get paid, we can hire a stats guy. Well, we're not getting paid, so we don't have a stats guy. Larry Fitzgerald gets you 14.2 fantasy points. DeAndre Hopkins gets you 10.1. Christian Kirk gets you 9. Part of the problem was when uh, Kyler Murray threw for touchdowns, one was to Chase Edmonds, which we enjoyed uh, if you're you know, if you have the running backs. Um, But the other one went to Dan Arnold, the tight end who got two targets. 
and um, <laughs> one of them went for a touchdown, and that's uh, that's a bummer. I don't think that's going to be the case. Again, strange that DeAndre Hopkins could not go off against the Seattle defense. Back in Week 7, there was plenty to go around for both him and Christian Kirk, and this time, there wasn't enough to go around for any of these wide receivers. So... I don't think this is the case moving forward. I still think DeAndre Hopkins is one of the most valuable wide receivers in the game. Obviously, he's still the third-ranked wide receiver in fantasy. So, like, you can't can't really complain too much about Hop, but it does suck that he has a, a down night, a down night by comparison to what we were expecting. We spent a lot of time on this recap, so we are going to jump real quick into our game previews. That is right, we are doing game previews. I'm really excited about this. Um, it was also our goal in choosing which games we were going over. It was our goal to choose teams that we have not been talking about much. I know we talk a lot about the Cardinals, actually. Um, we talk a lot about teams like Tampa Bay. So, um, so we're going to be talking about some teams that we have talked less about, starting with the game, the Houston Texans versus the New England Patriots. And for all the crap I've given to Damian Harris for being an amazing NFL running back and a terrible fantasy running back, um, all the crap. You did that, like, on one day on Friday. Yes, but it was it was a whole segment about it. Uh, the fact is the Patriots get the Texans, and that means Damian Harris gets the Texans. And he is their lead back. Sony Michelle ain't back, so... I expect Damian Harris to get in the end zone at least once this game. Except Cam Newton is still a thing, bro. Cam Newton is still a thing. And yes, while I think the Patriots run all over the Texans, I think Cam Newton runs for two touchdowns, throws for one more, and just has an amazing fantasy day. I think Cam is definitely a top 10 option this week if you are looking for streamers. Um... It's interesting because since coming back from COVID, he has only had one game of 20-plus fantasy points, but this is the one. He gets his second one against the Texans, and I don't think it's even close. If the Patriots are scoring, which you think they will, and I think they will actually, uh, that means the Texans are going to have to also. I know last week was a real bummer. Uh, We were not expecting them to do that poorly against Cleveland. But it was a weather game. It was a it was a windy game, and if we're being honest, the the Texans kind of like the Saints. I think they play better at home. I think they love their dome. I think they love their nice space. I mean, they play in Houston. They play like even even their a lot of their practices are in like the the bubble. So they don't deal with the elements nearly as much as a lot of other teams. So I think this is their get-right game. And uh, if, if you're looking at the running backs, Duke Johnson was the only running back to record a carry last week. So we know the job is his. He he was out of practice for an illness. We think he's going to be good to go this weekend. Um, I'm surprised he only got one target in the passing game last game, especially with all the wind. You would think that they would do a few more dump-offs to him, get, get him the ball in open space. I think they solved that this week to help Deshaun get the deep passing game rolling, which we know he wants to. Uh, as far as the deep passing game goes, is it going to be Cooks or Fuller? <laughs> Beats me. Um... Fuller honestly is my guy this week. I I disagree. I like I think you asked my opinion and then you immediately interrupt me. Yeah, I know because I have a point to make. Cooks still even last week. Uh, both Cooks and Fuller got eight targets, which means Cooks still leads the team in the target share by a large margins in the five games since Bill O'Brien left the building. But it doesn't matter. Fuller, over the past four games, despite being out-targeted by Cooks, Fuller has outscored him 68.6 to 64. 
That is only a four-point difference. Yes, but it is proven that Fuller does not need the volume. And I also do not think that Cooks is going to maintain that volume over Fuller. Fuller is and has been uh, Deshaun Watson's favorite target outside of DeAndre Hopkins ever since Fuller got on the team. So I still believe in Fuller. I don't think it's going to be both. I also don't think it's going to be both. I think one of them... One of them is going to score low double digits. Uh, if if it's Cooks, Cooks might score in like the high single digits. One of them will have a boom game. We are just not sure whom. Moving on to the next one, uh, we have the Eagles and the Browns. Eagles and Browns. I always avoid talking about the Eagles because like, what do we talk about? Um, <laughs> in fact, you can talk about them. I think I shall. Uh, fresh off a loss to the Giants, the Eagles' only bright spot in that whole game seemed to be the return of Miles Sanders. And the other two running backs randomly found the end zone instead of him last week, but that will not be the norm. Sanders is way too talented to, to, to keep out of the game once they get close to the goal line. Sanders is an easy uh, top 10 play for me, I think, this week. And, and that, that you know, the Texans struggled against the Browns defense last week, but I think that was more the Texans than it was the Browns defense being good. So I expect a good game from Carson Wentz. I am still, like I said on our Tuesday podcast, I am not comfortable with any of those pass catchers. None. Because Carson Wentz is going to spread the ball around, which is why I think Carson Wentz has a good day, but not specifically any of the pass catchers. If I had to choose one, yeah, choose one. If I had to choose one, it would probably be Jalen Rager, but I don't actually have any backup for that. I I don't know. I think Dallas. I think this is a get-right game for Dallas Goddard if I had to choose one of the Giants, uh, sorry, the Eagles pass catchers. Now, moving on to the Browns. If you take away Chubb's touchdown from last week against the Texans, Hunt actually had the better fantasy day. He had the better statistical day. And I expect both to shine this week against the Eagles. Um, and I also expect them both to get in the end zone. Uh, I, I mean, if, and if I were a betting man, I would I would take a, a pretty decent prop bet on that. I'm sure the odds are actually pretty pretty good. Are you considering betting on doing a prop bet for both Browns running backs getting into the end zone against the Eagles? Maybe. I mean, no, I'm not because I'm you know, I'm way too careful with my money to ever do that. But if I were a betting man, I would. Um, the pass catchers are, are more difficult to analyze. Uh, Baker is inconsistent. And actually, it's funny that he's going against Carson Wentz because he's kind of like Carson Wentz in that he likes to spread the ball around. If I had to choose one pass catcher, it would be Jarvis Landry. Sure, last week he only had five targets, but that was the bad weather, and they, they ran the ball a ton, a ton last week, both both Hunt and Chubb getting 19 carries apiece. Uh, they're going to be passing more this week against the Eagles, and in the first game back without Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry got 11 targets. So, I you know, if there's one pass catcher that's going to have a successful day against the Eagles, I think it'll be Jarvis Landry, and actually... He might even be a good flex play. I don't know if he uh, apply, uh, uh, qualifies for that. I will have to check on that. Well, I I agree with you that, that Jarvis Landry certainly has the highest upside. But don't forget about Austin Hooper. Uh, Hooper could very well catch a touchdown. And before his injury, his targets in weeks 4, 5, and 6 were 7, 10, and 6. Those are, those are great target numbers for a tight end. And... 
like you said, they're going to be passing more this game than they than they did last game, and the the passing game might run through him. And I think the odds are better of Hooper catching a touchdown pass than Jarvis Landry catching a touchdown pass. Jarvis Landry has not caught a single touchdown pass this year. I did not realize that. Yes, you did. You looked up the stats. Fine. Well, for drama's sake, I did not recognize that. Moving on to the next game, we have the Falcons versus the Saints. Also to, uh, I mean, we talk about Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, um, and I mean, we're going to be talking about them again, but we don't talk about the Falcons a lot because I hate talking about the Falcons. I got to be honest. I hate trying to predict Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones. I hate trying to predict is is Gurley going to have a good game or is for some reason Brian Hill going to come out of the blue and save the day for the Falcons. I have, I have no idea. I actually have no idea with these Falcons. Um, so I'm going to do my best. Uh, <laughs> fresh off the bye, Ridley should be healthy. And if he is, he'll be a top five wide receiver, right? Like he has top five upside. He was the number one scoring wide receiver in fantasy for a while. So I don't see why he wouldn't be a top five wide receiver this week as well. Uh, Julio Jones has top 10 upside, but he's also been spotty with his production. He hasn't though. Like, like look, look at the past, look at the past four games before the bye. He had 16 points, 22 points, 17 points, 35 points. That's not spotty at all. But I mean, he had five receptions in that game in, in that game against Denver on seven targets. Like, yes, he caught a touchdown and that saved him. But with Calvin Ridley back, and if he is feeling more healthy, he has been. Ridley is still limited in practice, so we don't know if he's 100% healthy. But when Ridley was very healthy towards the beginning of the season in those first three games. Uh, Julio had two games that were single-digit games. Like, when Atlanta has all of their weapons on the field, there is no guarantee that Julio gets his. Well, sure, but he's Julio freaking Jones. He's he's going to have some down games. He has had down games his entire season, his entire career, rather. But he is, he is still Julio Jones when he booms Oh my gosh, he booms, and he has an opportunity to do so against New Orleans. We, we've seen New Orleans' defense be good uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks, but one of those was against the very, very beat-up 49ers, and the other one was against Tampa Bay, which I think was more of a fluke. I don't know. I don't know. That's a divisional That's a divisional game, and divisional games are always weird. Um, but, but speaking of New Orleans' defense... Uh, We've got to talk about Todd Gurley, and I'm going to make you talk about Todd Gurley. I don't know. I think this is a down game for Gurley. I think I think New Orleans puts up a bunch of points, and the Falcons are going to be throwing to catch up. You know, you say that. You, you really just set me up so you could disagree with me. I did, and Gurley's efficiency has been garbage, sure. But they just keep using him, bro. The guy has as many touchdowns as he has games played this season. Brian Hill is not a threat to take his job. Gurley seems healthy. He gets used in the passing game. And and the Falcons are going to need all the weapons that they, that they have to beat the Saints. And you know they want to. Again, divisional rivalry. Um, we see weird divisional stuff, at, like, like we said, with the Saints in Tampa. I think the Falcons are going to put up points. The, and they're going to have to win in a shootout, which is good. Because we're about to move on to the Saints analysis. And who do they have a quarterback? That's right. That's right. The shootout master himself. 
Jameis Winston. I am so excited for Jameis Winston to, to take lead of this offense, right? Right? Like, I mean, A, that's just good for football. The dude is entertaining as heck to watch play. Um, but this is also good for the offense. This is good for the New Orleans offense. This is good for Michael Thomas. Jameis Winston last year was second in the league in average depth of target. He's not dumping balls off. He's going to be slinging them. He's going to be throwing them downfield. This can be a good game for Michael Thomas. This might even be a good game for Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, I mean, Michael Thomas can't catch them all. He did last year. Yes, he did last year, but this isn't last year, and Michael Thomas hasn't proven he can catch them all, so he's got to catch them all, but he's not going to catch them all. <laughs> all right, Pokemon. Um... <laughs> But to that point, I think Alvin Kamara actually might have a down game. I am a little lower on Kamara because Jameis Winston refuses to dump the ball off. I mean, okay, you can be a little down on Alvin Kamara, but he's Alvin Kamara. He's going to end up top five at the position. And because I expect more of a shootout, like... Kamara's going to score points just like Michael Thomas and just like Emmanuel Sanders. I think I think the Saints offense as a whole is going to hum. Uh, just like we are humming right on through these game previews, we are going to move on to Washington versus the Bengals. I've talked about how we never talk about the Bengals, and I rarely talk about Washington because they're Washington. They've been struggling to find their offensive identity all season, but you know what? I think they've found it. J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson are, are, are both doing well. Like, I admit, uh, within, regarding Antonio Gibson, like, I was wrong. That's right, baby. Samuels was wrong. Samuels was wrong, wrong, wrong about Antonio Gibson. There has been more than enough volume to maintain his value, even in the games they are playing from behind. Samuels was saying a few weeks ago to sell Antonio Gibson because they would be playing from behind and J.D. McKissick would be getting more volume. But guess what? They have been dealing with negative game scripts in both of the past two games. And sure, J.D. McKissick gets you over 17 fantasy points in both of those games. He actually did pretty much the same in both of those games. Well done, J.D. McKissick. So sure, Antonio Gibson doesn't do well, but instead he does. He does. Antonio Gibson scores more points than J.D. McKissick over these past two weeks because Antonio Gibson is too talented to keep off the field. Yes, he is their primary running back, but he also passes, uh, passes catches. He also catches passes, not just J.D. McKissick. So Antonio Gibson still has value, and I will take Antonio Gibson in this game against the Bengals over J.D. McKissick easily. I am still more in on J.D. McKissick in this one because the past two games have been against the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants. The New York Giants have been offensively, uh, meh, like really not great. <laughs> um, and I know the Detroit Lions have found their identity recently, um, at least somewhat, but they're not powerhouses, neither of them. And you consider the Cincinnati Bengals to be a powerhouse? Did you see them last week against the Steelers? Of course I saw them against the Steelers. But that's the Steelers. The Steelers' defense is no joke. And if you look at the three games before that Steelers game, they put up 31 points and beat the Titans. They put up 34 points and lost to the Browns. And they put up 27 points against the, the, the formidable Colts defense. So I think the Bengals put up even more points. I think Washington is, put, is dealing with an even more negative game script, which is why I am more high on McKissick than Gibson. And obviously, Terry McLaurin is a top 10 wide receiver this. Actually, Terry McLaurin might be a top five wide receiver this week, and I think he might be a top five rec wide receiver the rest of the season. His volume is insane. He's getting some of the most targets in the game. 
and they have no one else to throw to. So it's going to be McLaurin. They have easy matchups the way down. Um, but we're not talking about the way down. We're talking about the Bengals, and he has an easy matchup against the Bengals. And speaking of the Bengals offense, I am going to ignore last week against the Pittsburgh defense, and I'm going to say Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are both going to have great days. Once again, I think A.J. Green will be the odd man out the past two weeks. That's really been the case. And honestly, the past two weeks, T. Higgins has been Joe Burrow's favorite target, not even Tyler Boyd. So if again, if T. Higgins is still available in your league, which I doubt he is, pick him up. That dude is insane, and I think he has a great game against the uh, the Washington football team. But you're forgetting something. You're forgetting the guy himself. You're forgetting Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard. I love my running backs with the craziest names. Giovanni Bernard is going to have a bigger day than both of those guys. That, that, my friend, is a bold statement. What makes you say that? Well, first of all, DeAndre Swift ran all over Washington last week. And his game is kind of similar to Bernard. Like, DeAndre Swift feels like a pass-catching back, but he's also big enough to run between the tackles. Sure, Bernard does not have the the between-the-tackle stuff that DeAndre Swift has, but he is sneaky good in space, and I think the Bengals are going to get him out in space, especially with how they've been planning on going without Joe Mixon, it seems like, this whole week. So... They know that Bernard's the guy, and even Wayne Gallman put up a double-digit fantasy point game on the Washington football team. The Washington football team's been struggling against the run just as much as the pass recently. Their defense was doing so good at the beginning of the season, but they can't put it together. And to your point, we think that the Bengals are going to put up a lot of points. That means more work for Giovanni Bernard as the game goes on into the fourth quarter. I am looking forward to him. I like the way you think. And that is all the time we have for game previews. I know we only hit four games, um, but we dive in deep and uh, we have our flex plays to talk about. But first, a very quick live read because we have one of those. Our episode sponsors will be disappointed if we don't get to it. So here we go. Cheese. Eat me some, but don't eat me a lot because then you'll be sad later. Is that the whole live read? Yeah, yeah, that's all they sent us. Um, They must know that we are short on time. We have to get to our flex plays, which we are getting to right now. My first flex play of the day, Naheem Hines. I I don't know how he is out of the top 20. They are facing Green Bay, and they will need to pass an, an, an insane amount in order to keep up with it. Now, here's the thing. The Colts defense is pretty good, so they might be able to hold Green Bay in check. They might. As especially, actually, if Devontae Adams is out, which he he's unfortunately trending in that direction. If Devontae Adams is out, they might be able to run the ball a bit more. But still, they are a better team with Naheem Hines on the field. And if Green Bay happens to score a lot, which I will never bet against Aaron Rodgers, especially not this season, they will need Naheem Hines to catch the ball a lot. There is a chance that Jonathan Taylor gets hot early in the game and doesn't give up the role for the game. But Jonathan Taylor has had that chance literally every single game this season since week two. And he's taken that like once or twice. So give me some Naheem Hines this weekend in that flex spot. Well, I am also going to go with the running back in the flex spot. And it is another one of those great running back names, Salvan Ahmed. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry if I am mispronouncing your, your name, my friend. Uh, Salvan Ahmed. Uh, Denver might be middle in the pack in fantasy running back defense. They're like right around 14th, 15th. But they are 28th in the league 
league in total offensive scoring. And why am I talking about the Denver offense when I'm talking about Miami's running back? Because Miami's defense is the real deal, having given up 21 or fewer points in every single game this season, except against very high-powered offenses of Arizona, Seattle, and Buffalo. This means Denver's not scoring points. Denver's not scoring any points against this Miami defense, which means I expect Salvan Ahmed to be very, very busy at running back. And I don't know how Miami does it. They just find these 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 rookies uh, in Miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed that can just work at running back. I think their scheme is great. I think... Brian Flores is an absolute genius. I think the culture he is building in in Miami is the real deal. I am loving seeing what the Miami Dolphins are doing. And I think Salvan Ahmed is the superstar until, uh, well, at least until Matt Breida can get fully healthy. But until Miles Gaskin comes back, I, uh, I like that assessment. And I actually really like that player for that. We're agreeing on a flex play. My next flex play should surprise no one given how much we've been talking him up for the past three weeks, and he finally blew up. That's right, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, same as Hines. Uh, <laughs> I was, I'm was i up on Hines, so I expect uh, Michael Pittman Jr. to also have a good day because I do expect the Colts to need to pass the ball. And Pittman has grown into Rogers' favorite target, leading the team in targets over the past two weeks. Uh, he's... He's great. Uh, he may may have issues with Jair Alexander, uh, but Jair Alexander might also fade more towards T.Y. Hilton. So it'll be a bit of a crapshoot if you're worried about the wide receiver cornerback matchup there. But still, I expect Rivers to force him the ball, as Rivers has done for his favorite target throughout his career and thrown interceptions in the process. But you know what? That that doesn't matter to Michael Pittman Jr. He's still going to get the targets. Um, do you have another running back, actually? I do. I do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take two in a row here. That's That doesn't sound fair, but I'm going to let you do it. So I'm going to double down. I'm going to do it. Leonard Fournette and Devontae Parker. I'm I, I, like... Devontae Parker is now three weeks in a row for me. He panned out in the first week, not so much in the second week. But let me start with Leonard Fournette. Like, is it going to be him or is it going to be Rojo? Like, this is this is one of the great questions. We ask this every week. I'm going to be quick with this because we talk about them every week. The big thing is the Rams pass rush is going to come at Brady hard. Brady's, Brady's favorite way to slow down pass rush is through screens and dump offs to his running backs. He's done this with James Robinson for years. He's done this with Rex Burkhead for years. He is going to do it with Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette, even in games where Ronald Jones has outtouched him, Leonard Fournette always gets more targets, always gets more opportunities in the passing game. That's why it's Leonard Fournette this week. And Devontae Parker. Tua hasn't been great when throwing to him. Uh, he only uh, Devontae Parker only caught two of his seven targets last week, but he has had seven targets in each of the past two weeks. That is over a 26% target share, easily the highest on the team. He is Tua's favorite target, and I expect the Dolphins to score points. I'm high on Salvan Ahmed because I expect the Dolphins to score points on Denver, and I am high on Devontae Parker, just like... You've got Naheem Hines and Michael Pittman Jr. I've got Salvan Ahmed and Devontae Parker. We will see whether the Colts lead you to victory or the Dolphins lead me to victory. You have one more flex play. I do, in fact, and this is more of an emergency one because I brought up earlier Devontae Adams went from a limited participant to a did not practice uh, over the course of the week, which is really bad news if you're if you're looking at injuries. So... 
if Devontae Adams is out, and only if Devontae Adams is out, you need to start Alan Lazard. Lazard immediately becomes Rodgers' most trusted target. In week two, in a similar situation, Lazard's first game without any Devontae Adams, Lazard put up 26.4 fantasy points. He led the team in targets, receptions, and yards. I expect that to be the case if Devontae Adams is out. Otherwise, they might they might ease Lazard in. I still like Lazard for the rest of the season, but uh, I don't think you should start him this week unless Devontae Adams is out. Real quick, they don't technically apply for this segment because they are both ranked exactly 20 in ESPN, but Kalen Balaj is not the problem in Los Angeles, and he is not why they lost to Miami. He has had 17-plus touches in each of the past two games. You just have to hope they don't randomly decide to use Troy Main Pope more this week. And also, Robert Woods is Robert Woods. The last time I was able to include him in this segment, he went off for 28.4 points. And even though Tampa's defense is tough, I expect at least a double-digit game from Robert Woods. Uh, despite a down week last week in Seattle. That is definitely all the time we have this week. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. We hope that this will help you win your week because that is what is most important. Follow us on social. Hit us up on Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all that jazz. Um, yes, please, and thank you. Thank you for everything and win your leagues this weekend. We will see you on Tuesday. 